0: Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up unto eternal life. The woman said to Jesus, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water at this place ever again. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you are now with is is not your own. What you have said is absolutely true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will individuals worship the Father. You worship what You do not know we worship. What we do know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and it's now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such people to worship him. And Jesus concludes at least this portion of this dialogue by saying God is spirit. And they who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And in truth. If you don't mind helping me with my brief exhortation on this morning, just look to the person next to you or somebody alongside you, find somebody to say this to. Ask ask them the question, what's worship got to do with it? What's worship got to do with it? You you may take your seats, you may have your seats. Be, be, before Ronnie came up here, I, I knew I needed to probably put my, my iPad on, on a mode that wouldn't allow him to interfere with, with, with my notes. And, it, you know, God just gave me that foresight to just put my, my iPad notes in a way that even if his hands was on the iPad, it wouldn't have affected anything. Otherwise, right now, I would have had to just close my iPad because his hands were, were all over that stuff. Uh, And and I just got scared for a little bit, but God made provision beforehand. Uh, I'm telling you. (laughs) But as we think about this particular text, I want us to to take our time with this text on this morning and just be able to go through a little bit more or a little bit deeper uh, in this text. We've been dealing with this text now for the past couple of weeks. Uh, and, and for those of you who are familiar with this account of Jesus having this dialogue or discussion with this woman at the well, you, 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 you might think that we know it so well that why do we have to spend three, four weeks, maybe even five? Let's see what the Spirit does uh, in such a dialogue. But I want us to recognize some things. If, if we haven't recognized some things already, uh, I want us to appreciate that thus far we've learned that Jesus walked in his purpose At least John is recording this for us to see that Jesus would have ultimately worked in his purpose by taking not only a road, but also a posture to connect this woman who really was a representative of her day, her time, a culture, and a people that the Jews did not have any type of relationships with. As a matter of fact, I will go a little bit deeper in in, in identifying the fact that, that John really uses her As a metaphor for people like you and me, for people who were not born Jews, for people who were Gentilic or Gentiles by nature, this woman becomes a representative of you and me. So hopefully, as we have looked at some things over this, these past couple of weeks, that uh, there are some things that we would have learned, and here are a few things that I hope we would have at least take note of uh, over these past couple of weeks. Number one, I, I, I hope that we would have recognized that the way, speaking about Jesus, went out of the way to engage someone that needed a real relationship. Not only do we see that, but hopefully we recognize that as much as Jesus' desire is to save all of the world, that is the masses, Jesus knows that that one soul is the equivalent in value to many. I hope that as we would have thought or, or taken notice of these past couple of weeks, that we would have recognized that the view of the many does not always represent the view of God. If I had to put that a a, a different way, the the voice of the people doesn't always represent the voice of God. I'm hoping that over these past couple of weeks, we, we would recognize that at times you have to leave the group. You have to leave your people in order to connect someone that's not a part of the group to this God and to this Jesus and to this Holy Spirit that you and I totally believe in. And as I think about one more lesson that hopefully we would have learned from our past two sessions these few weeks is that we recognize that the world offers, or what the world offers rather is temporary, but rather what Jesus offers is timeless. So as we think about Jesus, John wants us to see that Jesus is actually living out his purpose in coming on this earth and going to this woman it's he is serving out the purpose for which he left heaven to begin with now as we get into this area of text, this portion of text particularly that we are looking in, I, I, I want us to note something that uh, suddenly we are engaged or the woman introduces us all of a sudden out of nowhere, it seems like, to this reality of worship. And if we're not careful, we could think that this is so misplaced because all of a sudden they, they were talking about water, but now all of a sudden the, the conversation shifts when Jesus reveals the reality of her situation, all of a sudden the conversation shifts from water to worship. And if we are not careful, we could, we could miss, I believe, the beauty and the essence of what John is actually doing here in implanting this dialogue with, between Jesus and this woman within the confines of the totality of his gospel account. So I want us to see as we think, about what John is doing, I need for us to appreciate that this church is more than just a mere dialogue or some simple narration. As a matter of fact, there are two things I want us to see. And this is not the message, but this is just the introduction aspect of it. There are two things I want us to note very quickly before we get into the thrust of the text. There are two things I want us to know that I believe that John is doing. Number one, that within the conversation itself, that the physical water that Jesus is alluding to and contrasting, uh, Jesus is using this water, the physical water, to actually represent something that is outside of the physical realm. In other words, he uses H2O, he uses water, but really there is a deeper meaning and message behind the physical water. So as we look and we approach this text in John chapter number 4, I need for us to appreciate that Jesus is not really talking about water that you and I would drink, the sani or or or, 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 or I, I don't know what you drink. You might, you might really have faith to drink the Nashville water that comes out the pipe. And maybe I need to grow to that type of faith, but, but I'll, I'll lean on the Holy Spirit to put a filter on it. But the point I'm trying to make is this. When you read this text, understand, please, that, that the, the, the message is, is not really in the H2O, but there is something deeper that Jesus is really pointing towards. But number two, I want us to appreciate as we engage this particular account and this particular text that that John uses this dialogue to introduce a deeper understanding of relationship with God to the audience he is writing to. In other words, John uses this because I want us to note that John is the only gospel writer that that that, that introduces this dialogue between Jesus and this woman in, 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 the, in the litany of gospels that we do have. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you do not find the encounter of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, John, records that for us. And so I believe what John is doing is John is using this situation and this scenario to build on a better understanding or teaching for his audience, ultimately for people like you and me that are present today who believe in Jesus Christ. So follow me with this if you don't mind. So, so as we engage in chapter 4, as the conversation develops between Jesus and the woman John now through the words of the woman introduces worship into the platform of his gospel narrative. But in order for us to get to the place that Jesus got with the woman John has to build a case by firstly showing showing us who Jesus is true Identity really is. So I want you to come back with me if you don't mind. Just, 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 just follow me with this progression. Come back if you have your Bibles with you into the book of John, chapter one. This is John, same John that we're in, uh, but chapter one, verses one through seventeen. I-, I I love the sound of pages turning. I also love the sight of tabs and phones scrolling. Uh, hopefully you're, you're off of Facebook uh, and you're in the ESV or the King James or some version of the Bible. Uh, let, 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 let Facebook rest for a little bit uh, and let the Holy Spirit do what it can in each and every single one of us. Are you in John chapter 1, verse 1? If, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, beautiful. I want us to see that what John does is he is beginning to build a case early on and he does it all throughout honestly his gospel account but but notice how John begins to introduce Jesus and more so show Jesus's identity early on in his writings and in chapter 1 from verse number 1 following, here is what we would read. And in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Follow along with me closely if you can. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some translations would have that the darkness could not comprehend it it couldn't understand it there was a man sent from God whose name was John he came as a witness to be a witness about the light that all might believe through him he was not the light but came to be a witness about the light the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own church, and his own people did not receive him. But, the scripture says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God, who were born not Of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by the will of God. Verse number 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen or beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. I want you to note this phrase here, full of grace and truth. But then he goes on to say, John bore witness about him and cried out this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was frankly before I was. For from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Verse 17, the law was given through Moses. But here is that phrase or that statement again, but grace and truth. Say grace and truth. Come on, preach it with me. Say grace and truth, grace and truth. came through Jesus Christ. So when, when, when John introduces Jesus for the first time, I want us to see that John is introducing not only Jesus' deity as the word, but he also identifies Jesus' disposition, Jesus' character, who Jesus was in essentiality was not just deity, but I need for us to see that he was also full of grace and truth. That becomes important because they are living in a day and a time where, where when your belief in this deity or belief in a God, in most instances, the gods of, of their civilizations were cruel. The gods of the ancient civilizations were only, we we were only beneficial to the gods via our prayers and via our worship as human beings. The, The more we worship, the bigger the God got. But what John is trying to introduce here is just how different the Jehovah God is, just how different Jesus is, in that Jesus doesn't necessarily need our worship and need our prayers to become any bigger. Rather, I want us to see that what he does is he empties himself of his heavenly power and comes to earth to be a sacrifice for you and me. That's the difference, if I'm being honest with you, between Jesus and the the Father and the Holy Spirit and what they did in bringing you and me close in relationship to God. Other deities required a sacrifice to live, uh, a sacrifice to truly be eternal, but God said, I am already eternal. I'll sacrifice so that you can be. That was a good place in truth to say amen because I want us to understand something that when when John introduces Jesus to us, we see number one that Jesus is in fact God incarnated in the flesh. But not only is he God incarnated in the flesh, but he comes full of it. Full of what, brother Morgan? Full of grace and truth. But also, and this is where I really need to get going, also we We not only recognize that Jesus is full of grace and truth, but John helps us to see that Jesus is in fact the embodiment of the Father's compassion for us. If ever there was a way for God to prove his love, To us, it's not necessarily just in answered prayers. And I know oftentimes we go to God, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. And every time he does, it's an indication of just how good he is. But I need for us to see before God answered any prayer that you and I could offer, he sacrificed his son. That was proof positive of just how much God loved you. Because let me tell you what happens with an answered prayer from time to time. With an answered prayer from time to time, we could abuse the blessing from the prayer. And rather than the blessing lead us closer or bring us closer to the throne of God or bring us closer in faith, sometimes we pray for our blessing, God gives it to us, and then we abuse the blessing. So hear me, when I, when I say this, in as much as God is concerned with blessing us with the physical things of this life, he is more concerned with blessing us with eternal life. <laughs> Let me repeat that one more time because I, I, I've, I've come to realize that sometimes we've got to let things sit a little bit. We've got to let things sit a little bit before we, we, we could really ponder on it to say, let it be so, Lord. Amen. Right? So, so, so let me say that one more time. I, I want us to appreciate this. God is not so much concerned with blessing us with the physical things of this life in as much as he is concerned with blessing us with eternal life. That's a good place to say amen. I just want to teach us how to to do this thing. That's a good place to say hallelujah. That's a good thing to say praise God. That's a good place to say yes preacher preach. So here it is. John is really trying to help us to see that Jesus is in fact the embodiment of his father's compassion. He goes on and he transitions from chapter one. I got to preach this. He transitions from chapter number one into chapter number three. And as he transitions into chapter number three, we find this dialogue that he introduces. Again, John is the only gospel writer that indicates this dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus. Well, what are you doing, John? I'm trying to use these instances in the life of Jesus to build a case for who Jesus is so that you could have a a better idea of what God has done so in chapter number three in order to help us recognize that Jesus is in fact the embodiment of the father's compassion look at the dialogue that John introduces here in chapter three verse number 16 in chapter three and verse number 16 it would read like this I know we could quote it but I want to read it it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes. I love the whosoever because the whosoever is not just the Jew. The whosoever is the Gentile. The whosoever is not just the so-called devout, but the whosoever is those who are on the margins and those who are laden in sin. Whosoever means every single person alive that has a mind to serve God. So he says whosoever believes in him should not perish, but check this, have eternal life. This is more than just a verse we need to teach kids. This, this needs to be a verse that, that is saturated in the heart of every single believer. It's good that the kids can get up and recite it. It's one thing to recite it. It's the next thing to fully embrace it. But look at what John continues to record, the words of Jesus. Not just, we got to look past and, uh, and continue with, with, with verse number 17. Don't just get stuck in verse number 16. Continue to understand the depth of the context. For God did not send his son into this world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come. That light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. I need for us to appreciate this text before we jump into chapter 4. For everyone who does wicked things, this is Jesus talking, hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be, I want you to note this word, exposed. Exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So here's what I want to do really quickly as we come back to our text in chapter 4. Make your way back into chapter 4. So notice back in our text how the conversation swings. And I, I, I promise you, I'm almost done. If, 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 if you don't think, uh, you know... You, you could look at my tab. That, that word to the bottom of the tab here, I'm, I'm to the top of the tab. That, that, this, this word here is conclusion. Uh, and, and just so you know, that, that's, that's it there. So when I tell you I'm almost done, I'm almost done. But I, I, I'm hoping that we were able to see this. Watch this really quickly. So notice back in our text, the con- <laughs> I'm serious. Conclusion is right there. It's, it's right there. <laughs> notice back in our text the conversation changes based on what Jesus now reveals that he knew about the woman. All this time, Jesus has been speaking truth to the woman, but she was not comprehending it. But in order for her to get to a place of being open-minded enough To hear what Jesus was truly saying, Jesus had to move from speaking hidden spiritual truths to now speaking hidden sinful truths. The contrary is he didn't lead with identifying hidden sinful truths, but rather he led the conversation and the dialogue by leading with hidden spiritual truths. I don't know if you're getting this. John says in chapter 3 that Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn the world. He says in chapter number 1 that when Jesus came as the manifestation of God in the flesh, he came full, notice the term, of grace. Say grace. But not only did he come full of grace, he also came filled with truth. Say truth. truth. So let me show you what John is doing here in the dialogue between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. This was a woman that was full of secret sin. And she's having an encounter with the all-knowing God. But the all-knowing God didn't come to condemn her. He, come to show her, he came to show her compassion. So I'm not, go, I'm not going to lead with your sin. I know you have a sin problem, if you didn't have a sin problem, I wouldn't be here right now. Let that sink in for five seconds and then let let, let the wave come. If she did not have a sin problem, Christ would not have been on the earth to begin with. So it's not as if to say he didn't already know that she had a sin problem. Now, Now her sin problem might have been different from other people but it was a sin problem nonetheless but you notice that she was coming to the well at a certain point in the day because everybody else the masses viewed her sin problem as worse than their sin problems but Jesus didn't lead with her sin problems he led with truth about what he came to offer if you only knew who is talking to you, you would ask me to give you drink. And if you take the drink and the water that I offer, you will have a spring that's flowing up from you that, 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 that never runs dry. If you only knew, and so Jesus didn't lead in condemnation, no, he led in compassion. We, we could learn something from Jesus' discipleship model. So here it is, here it is. I want to do this really quickly. So John, John is showing, John is showing that not only is Jesus the embodiment of grace and truth, but, but what happens. This, this is what John is trying to do. John is, John is showing us what happens when grace and truth work together. We could have all the truth in the world, church, if we don't know how to implement grace with it and where to put grace in light of truth, we will make more of a mess than actually spread the message. So Jesus is, is in fact, the embodiment of God's compassion, but Jesus lives out in the way that he walks and the way that he engages people, leading with grace, but never forgetting that even though I'm offering grace, there is a truth to be understood. I think too many times we, we find ourselves in the religious world today falling prey to the different spectrum anal- anal- analogies where either on the, the left side or we're on the right side. When, when, when God is trying to show us that no, 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 it's not about being on the left or the right. We need to learn how to implement things in moderation. Because if you stick only with truth, then and, and, and all you're doing is pointing out the obvious sin and you find yourself in a position of only condemning, con- condemning folks. That's why you have people who would say that, that Christians are, are, are so judgmental. That's why you have people who would say that Christians love to condemn. It's because we're always trying to pre- preach truth to people. And I know that might sound weird. What do you mean don't preach truth? I'm saying, yeah, you need to preach truth, but don't lead with the sin. Lead with the spiritual. Don't lead with the sin. Lead with the salvation. Don't lead with the obvious. Lead with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But on the flip side, if we if we were to just offer grace, 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 grace down the line, then when exactly would we have the ability to tell somebody that listen, the lifestyle that you are living right now, God is not pleased with. For grace gives us the ability to overlook. Truth sometimes could come across as very condemning. But when you put grace and truth together, your love for a person's soul is seen. Watch this and we'll be done. I have these three things really quick and the message will be yours. Number one, when grace and truth cooperates and comes together, number one, it exposes our deepest, darkest sins and it does not offend us. Let me just give these out because I don't want us to run over time. Number two. When grace and truth cooperates and works hand in hand, when they intersect and they do their job, our eyes are open to begin to see Jesus for who he really is. Let me go on to the third one. <laughs> when grace and truth cooperates, and works together, and is implemented, our true heart of yearning for God is exposed. You would think that worship came out of nowhere, but I need for us to appreciate this, that when this woman talks about worship seemingly out of nowhere, it is actually a revelation of where her yearning really was. Yes, she was living in sin. Yes, she had five husbands before and the man that she's now living with was not her own. Yes, she was was ashamed of the lifestyle so much that she separated herself from society to go to the well to get water at a time when nobody else was there. Yes, 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 yes. But make no mistake about it. You have people who are laden and living in sin who underneath it all have a heart that's trying to connect with God. But I love it because Jesus being God is showing us that God sees the heart and not necessarily the outside. He sees the outside for what it is. The outside is flesh. But when I look at your heart, I see somebody, yes, who is struggling with pornography. I see somebody, yes, who is struggling with alcoholism. I see somebody, yes, who is struggling being lazy. I see somebody, yes, who is struggling with gossip. But when I look at your heart, I really do see somebody who is interested in serving God. But the question is, when faced With the person of grace and truth. When Jesus exposes your innermost sin, are you willing to make the change? Are you willing to perceive that this is in fact the prophet of God? This is in fact the Christ. And and will you be willing when grace and truth comes into your life? Will you be willing when faced with the beauty of the message of the gospel? Will you be willing to leave your water pot and go and do that which is necessary will you be willing to make the change and go deeper in relationship with jesus christ because when grace and truth comes together it exposes our deepest darkest sins without offending us don't don't get bitter when the truth hits as opposed to getting bitter, you know the old saying goes, get better, be better, do better. When, when you sit at the well of grace and truth, and, and you have your eyes open, grow in such a regard. When we sit at the well of grace and truth, I, I, I need for us to see that it needs to unearth in our hearts the true nature and yearning for a relationship with God. So as I close, I want us to appreciate this, John. John, I want us to see that, that 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 worship is in fact not just a part of the narrative, but what John is exposing right here in this text is worship is in fact the core of the narrative. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. It was always there, but now it's exposed. And so I pray hope and trust. And if I could give us a challenge, it would be this. It would be to sit with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to expose our deepest, darkest sins and not be offended. It would be to sit with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to To stir us in such a way that our true sincerity of heart and relationship is exposed. But also to sit with Jesus and have the Holy Spirit work on us in such a way that we go deeper and deeper in relationship with Almighty God. So if I were to ask the question, what's worship got to do with it? My conclusion would be everything. If you have a need this morning, if you are a visitor here and you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to come and at least indicate if you are so moved that you want to learn more About Jesus. We're going to have some elders to the front here. If you are a visitor, if you are not a member of the body of Christ, hear me and hear my words really well. If you are not a member of the body of Christ, If you do not yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to make your way down, meet with one of these brothers that's in the front here, let them know who you are, let them know your request, and we will be glad to sit with you and tell you a little bit more about Jesus so that you too could have a relationship with him. But if you are a member here and you have been struggling and you, or, or even this morning you have been exposed to having a faith that is not as deep as it needs to be, I also want to encourage you. Uh, maybe you might not be inclined to walk down, but please shoulder tap somebody that might be next to you, even, even if it's after this service, and say, I want you to pray for me because I want to go deeper deeper in my faith and relationship with Almighty God. At this time, I want to ask you to stand as together we sing. If you have any prayer requests, please come forward and let it be known as we sing this song of invitation.